Emily Ratajkowski has kind of shocked the world with her radical personal and professional evolution over the last decade. In 2013, she rose to fame as the mostly naked model in the controversial Blurred Lines video and defended the creepy Robin Thicke creation as being playful and celebrating women's bodies. By 2023, she established herself as a feminist author and thinker and has announced she quit acting because Hollywood is a sexist, effed up place that treated her like a piece of meat. For a very long time, I felt like being a hustler and knowing how to work the system as a woman um, was feminism and that it was my choice. And it's just more complicated than that. So how did she get here? And what happened to so drastically change her mind? In her personal life during those years, Emily got married, had a child, and went through a divorce. Meanwhile, her professional evolution arguably began with the publication of her essay, Buying Myself Back, When Does a Model Own Her Image, in the cut, which unpacked how little power she's had over pictures of herself, even when she never consented to them. You posted a picture of yourself on Instagram mm -hmm. that a photographer took, and he sued you. She followed up with a full essay collection on feminism and power entitled My Body, playing on how so many of us did first get introduced to her as the woman with the perfect body, but probably didn't think much about who she was beyond that. The validation I want is from like people to be like, oh, like I see her as this total thing, right? Like not just this like image. Some criticized the work, suggesting she might be capitalizing on a cultural moment prioritizing feminist essays. But that opportunity is mostly gone now, as the Me Too backlash rages in full swing, and famous women pay a major price if they're too outspoken about feminist issues. Emrata, on the other hand, is becoming more vocal than ever, putting out a podcast and speaking out about sexism in her career. So clearly her beliefs and frustrations are fierce enough that she's motivated to spread this message about exploitation despite the climate. Here's our take on Emily Ratajkowski, how she evolved from being just the Blurred Lines girl into an inspirational icon, reminding us that only we should get to define ourselves, and that there's power in examining the countless assumptions we take for granted about our bodies and how we exist in the world. In an interview with the LA Times, Emily Ratajkowski said, I feel like I'm coming into myself, my life as a creator and not as a muse. But what's so bad about being a muse? So you what? Inspire people? I'm responsible for 19 of the 20 top grossing films of all time. The muse is a revered and magical figure. The nine muses of Greek mythology were goddesses. But in reality, for humans, being a muse can be a somewhat thankless job. Elizabeth Siddle was a famous muse of the pre-Raphaelite era, most famously posing for Millais Ophelia, but her own history as a painter has been largely forgotten. Almost famous is the story of rock and roll muse Penny Lane, who's inspired by real rock muses, is ultimately used by the musicians who get all the credit and discarded. As author Katie McCabe says, the idea of invoking the muse suggests a spirit, not a person. And it's this depersonalization that Emily seems to want to push back against. You wanna hug me? Blurred Lines launched Emily from an unknown into a global celebrity. At the same time, the video's popularity hinges on her presence. Many have voiced that it's that presence and her body that really made the song the hit it became. And in fact, it turned her into a bigger star than the singer Robin Thicke. You now are more famous than him from his song. You could say that video with its 17 billion views is all due to you. Yet there's limited agency in how she got to define herself on this public stage. She was introduced to us as an object to be looked at, fully naked and dancing around to now infamously suggestive lyrics. There's something eerily off-putting and disempowering about Blurred Lines images of fully clothed men next to nearly naked women. And Ratajkowski admitted in 2015 that she actually wasn't into the idea in the first place. 
As she moved into acting, people saw her as lucky to immediately get into big properties as a model with no acting experience. Your first acting job in a movie and you're with David Fincher. The next thing you're doing, you're making out and more with, um, with yeah. Ben Affleck. But her role is played almost solely on her beauty. In Entourage, her role is to make Vinnie Chase look good, or she's treated as property to be fought over by competitive men. You know that I was dating Emily, right? Emily? I thought you guys broke up. I don't see how that matters. In Gone Girl, she's the mistress who doesn't have a lot to do besides fawn over Ben Affleck. In I Feel Pretty, she tries to play against that typecasting, with the film giving her more depth and talking about her own insecurities. But the film is still getting a lot of mileage out of the fact that it's her. So after she auditioned unsuccessfully for Triangle of Sadness, which casts the similar-looking late Charles B. Dean Creek as an influencer, Emrata said she gave up on acting, saying, I didn't feel like, oh, I'm an artist performing and this is my outlet. I felt like a piece of meat who people were judging, saying, does she have anything else other than her breasts? As a muse, you are the spark that allows others to flourish. But what's clear from reading interviews with Emily is that this was never her decision. Whenever she brings up the fact that she collects art or studied fine art at UCLA, it's met with some surprise. What's your favorite piece? Maybe this Catherine Bernhardt doesn't take itself too seriously. In an interview with Vogue Italia, she talks about this side of herself, and the response comes, We thought we knew everything about the super-googled model implicitly reducing her to that even as she tries to tell them she's got more to offer. It's a testament to how much she does have to offer that she's been able to dismantle these kinds of questions and be taken seriously, even if it has taken a long time. So who is Emily Ratajkowski, the creator? With My Body, it wasn't simply that she was showing us that she was a critical thinker and plugged into the contemporary feminist discourse. She was also showing us who she was and getting us to think critically about the way she's been treated throughout her career. Speaking about her inclusion in Richard Prince's Instagram painting series, she writes, It felt strange that a big-time fancy artist worth a lot more money than I am should be able to snatch one of my Instagram posts and sell it as his own. This also seems kind of a... Uh, jerk move, <laughs> frankly, <laughs> on the part of Richard Prince. That's not even getting into the more extreme violations she's experienced, like being groped by Robin Thicke on set or having entire books of nude photos published without her consent. But criticism of the book pointed out that while Emily engages with these contemporary discourses, the essays don't really do much beyond that. The New Statesman's Sarah Manavis wrote, The book functions as an admittedly thoughtful brand exercise that attempts to do little beyond garnering sympathy for Ratajkowski herself. I wanted to be beautiful. That's how women become powerful, become successful. Perhaps that is the most interesting question here. Why did women in the 2010s feel they had to cheerfully prop up and support this whole culture that was exploiting and demeaning them? I liked the idea and the message that she kind of wanted to give across. How did Emily herself get free of that, and is this truly less of a pressure on young women now? There is the obvious tension in the fact that Emily's success now wouldn't exist if her exposed body hadn't made her so famous. And she acknowledges in her writings that she was told early on by photographers and industry people that her body was what made her stand out from her peers, one reason she seemed to be encouraged to do nude work. Around the time of My Body's release, culture was going through a moment where honest, personal feminist essay collections were gaining a lot of traction. So it felt a little to some like Emily was simply capitalizing on that, knowing that because of her fame and notoriety and people's preconceptions of her, any essay collection would confound those preconceptions to some extent. I would be wrong to say that it's just simply empowering to be, to capitalize on your sexuality and your beauty. 
beauty as a woman. But were people giving her enough credit? My Body was, after all, a debut collection which even its detractors admitted was a thoughtful exploration of her personal experience. Instead of seeing it as the culmination of who she was, perhaps now we should look at it as a kernel of the creator she was emerging into. With her podcast High Lows, she has thrown the lens off herself and onto that wider culture, interviewing everyone from celebrities to sex workers to polyamorous couples. If my body was self-reflective, here she's driven more by curiosity, maybe trying to address some of the limitations people saw in that collection. Is there something that you've learned uh, being sort of a subject of an interview that you feel like you are stealing to be an interviewer? Yeah, I would say listening. Yeah. Sometimes interviewers don't listen. And it's clear that this is a serious venture for her, rather than a brand exercise. It's 96 episodes across a year, with Emily at the center of every one. Her interview style is relaxed and informal, but in doing so, she holds the space for her guests to be comfortable to share intimate, sometimes vulnerable moments from their life. I felt like all of my happiness and all of my my confidence and validation depended on me looking good. Mm -hmm. um, and it was that, that was really, really scary. So as Emrata leans more into this creator identity, we see how that identity is firming up. As it does, our preconceptions get left behind, which maybe allows us to enjoy and appreciate what she's making on its own terms. Emily's personal journey has been an exercise in reclaiming power and agency that was denied to her upon her initial rise to fame, and part of that manifests in her dating life. Emrata has been candid about her approach to relationships in the wake of her divorce from Sebastian Bear McClard, and admitted that her history of serial monogamy was in part a defense mechanism, influenced by traumatic experiences she had as a child. If you had just been a little less afraid, you could have like experienced things a little bit different, but also I really do think that I stayed in those relationships to be protective. While she hasn't spoken specifically about her divorce, since their separation multiple women have accused McClard of sexual misconduct, with one incident related to a controversial scene in the Safdie brothers' movie Good Time. But even before these allegations, Emily alludes to McClard being aligned to this predatory masculinity. Writing in My Body, she says, I thought about the way that Bear McClard had glided through the room, a room full of men who only two years before had been kissing Harvey Weinstein's ring and encouraging their young female clients to take meetings with him in hotel rooms. I hated that my husband was at all connected to these men. Do you have any words of wisdom or even how you had the courage to leave? I didn't have the courage to leave for a long time. I was like, really, really unhappy. Now she seems to be embracing her status as a single woman. She's been romantically linked with Brad Pitt, Pete Davidson, Eric Andre, and Harry Styles. And perhaps more importantly, none of these entanglements ever feel that serious. They just feel like fun and indicative of a woman who is enjoying her freedom for maybe the first time in her life. By her own admission, she used to be defined by fear and feeling that she had to express her beauty and her body a certain way because of what was expected of women. Now it feels like she's let a lot of that go, which is a powerful model for other women. Women. It's been nearly a decade since Emily Ratajkowski became one of the most recognizable bodies in the world. But because her body was so recognizable, did that mean we didn't really pay attention to who she was, even though she was telling us? Are we still guilty of being blinded by beauty to the extent that we don't ever see the person? I didn't understand that it, would have, it was actually going to be so nice to come back to myself and like return back to who, how I see the world. The only way Emrata has begun to turn this tide is through sheer persistence, chipping away at our perceptions until we're forced to listen to what she's saying and see who she is. In holding up that mirror to her, perhaps we're also holding up that mirror to ourselves. I've gained a new appreciation for my body and a new way of caring for it that I, I hadn't had when I was younger. That's the take. Click here to watch a video we think you'll love or here to check out a whole playlist of awesome content. Don't forget to subscribe and turn on notifications.